Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTV. This week's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He is preaching from Psalm 27. Good morning to everyone. Uh, happy Mother's Day. I did forget, so... I'm in trouble. Uh, Thanks to Pastor Clint for that video introduction. We are starting a new sermon series today. Uh, My name is Abe. I'm one of the pastors here, here, and as he happened to share, the Psalms are the songs of Christ, the songs of salvation, the songs of wisdom, of justice, and these are all personified in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our Messiah and who is our King. Now, as I was looking, some of you are probably familiar, there's a story in the Bible, uh, often called the, the road to Emmaus, it's in Luke, um, it's in the last chapter of Luke. If you're not familiar with this story, uh, there's these two disciples, and uh, uh, the story is told in Luke chapter 24. They're traveling on this road, uh, and they're traveling to a town called Emmaus. Uh, and in this story, the timeline-wise, Jesus has been crucified and has resurrected from the dead. And these two disciples knew about this. They heard the story, but they didn't know if it was really true. Because, you know, they knew Jesus had died. But whether or not the Christ had resurrected, they just weren't sure. Maybe they couldn't believe it because it was so fantastical. Anyways, as they are walking along this road, uh, a stranger joins them. He joins them on the road who starts to explain how... Everything in Scripture was pointing to the necessity of a Messiah, of the Messiah being crucified, of the Messiah being tortured, and ultimately of how the Messiah must be brought back to life. And if you turn to, uh, well, I'll turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 44. It says it here. Uh, Jesus tells them, and this is right before they realize who they're talking to, because this whole time these two disciples had no clue that it was Jesus who was walking with them. Jesus says to them, These are my words. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. See, Jesus in this explanation, and I have to say, by the way, I really wish I was there to hear that explanation because you know it had to be amazing and perfect. And there were probably no questions because Jesus is the one explaining it. But in this explanation, Jesus is telling these two disciples, listen, the entirety of Scripture, everything in this book has always been pointing to the Messiah. Genesis, Malachi, Micah, Leviticus, Lamentations, and the Psalms, everything. All of Scripture has always been pointing to our Savior. It's always been about Jesus, always been about the Messiah. And Scripture allows us to see the beauty and the majesty of our Savior. Allows us to see it on every single page of this holy book, of his holy book. And this includes the Psalms. Now, Pastor Clint said it in that video, the poetry, the lyrics of the Psalms, it points to the personification of wisdom, to the personification of justice, to redemption. The Psalms show us Jesus. So over the next few months, we're going to be diving deeper and deeper into these songs of forgiveness, these songs of salvation, because we want to better see the glory of God, to better see the redemption that our Savior provides. 
Now, before we do that, one thing I like to do personally uh, before getting into a new sermon series for my own edification and preparation is I, I, uh, I like to get some background, some context, understanding what it is Psalms is about and stuff like that. And every time I do it, I'll say this, it, it just it fascinates me as I dive deeper into the Bible to know it. And I'm going to warn you right now, it's going to get a little bit nerdy, so I apologize. Um, the Psalms. They're a collection of songs and poems, and these have been gathered over a thousand or so years, okay? And these songs and these poems were written by a bunch of different people. Some of them were anonymous. A lot of them were David, King David. Um, if you look at the Psalms, you'll understand, they, it's understood to be split into five books or sections. Um, a lot of Bibles, like mine, if you look at it, uh, you go to the top of the chapters that separate the different sections, it'll actually say, like on mine, it says book one, Psalm chapter one through 41. You go to chapter 42, it'll say book two. So there are, like five, there are five books uh, that the Psalms are broken up into. Each of these books have a theme. Like book one, it focuses on the rise of the king. Book two, it focuses on the rise of the kingdom, and so on and so forth. Now here's the part that really fascinated me as I was studying and preparing uh, for this sermon series. It dawned on me that the Psalms are basically an anthology, right? The Psalms are a collection of holy Hebrew songs. And an anthology, if you're not familiar with the term, is basically a collection, a collection of works like poems or whatever uh, that can span one or more authors. Now, anthology is not a biblical word, by the way. It's just, you know, it's an English term. But if you look at the origins of the term, anthology, uh, in Greek, it actually means the gathering of flowers, uh, which, if you think about it, is a pretty perfect and beautiful metaphor for what the Psalms are. Because, see, God inspired ancient Israelites to create this anthology to include as part of Holy Scripture so that, so that we, when we read it, might be able to recognize the Messiah in this Okay. The, the, the ancients identify God-breathed poems and holy Hebrew songs to point us to the king of kings. And, and, and it's like a, like a garden or a beautiful bouquet, which, damn it, um, I didn't buy my mom a Mother's Day gift. <laughs> She's listening. I know she is. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> Sorry, I'll buy you pizza later. Um, anyway, the, the Psalms, I really have to buy pizza. The Psalms are like a collection, right? The Psalms are a collection of beautiful flowers. And each of these beautiful flowers point individually to our king while presenting in their gathered glory, they present the redemption story of our Savior. That's this anthology we're looking at. There, there's a random Swedish theologian I happened to be reading online. His name is Wilgren. He wrote something that really resonated with me as I was looking into the Psalms. And he said that the Psalms should never be read like regular text, you know, not like regular literature. It should be read like, and this is what he wrote. He wrote, multi, it should be read like a multi-vocal work where each Psalm contributes to an ongoing interaction between God and God's people, ultimately hoping that the entire creation would one day Join the choir in praise of Yahweh, for he, for God, is good. For God, his steadfast love endures forever. See, the Psalms is a bouquet, a garden of beautiful flowers and that allows us to give God all the glory 
These are the songs of redemption, of forgiveness. And this is what we're going to be looking at over the next few months. So with that introduction, what I want to do is take a look at today's psalm that was read by Lizzie. Thank you very much for reading that for us today. So Psalm 27. Um, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, um, I'm gonna be kind of honest right now. It's been a very weird week for me. Um, Suzanne and I, we just uh, got back from Canada, from Banff. Uh, if you don't know what Banff is, it's the Canadian Rockies, right? And, and we spent time there at a retreat uh, with Hands at Work, the organization Suzette works with. They, if you're not familiar with Hands at Work, it's our partner. They work with communities in Africa to encourage and embolden churches and Christians to support and love and care for vulnerable children who have been orphaned by the AIDS pandemic. Anyway, we just got back from that. It was an amazing opportunity for us to just be with these friends, these advocates. Uh, over the, since getting back, I've been taking my scooter. Um, it's, it's, it's fun, it's far, but uh, riding up to Uptown, uh, from Wicker Park, very dangerous route. Um, I like living dangerously. Um, and, and the scooter's red. If you can't see a red scooter, that means you're just not paying attention. But anyway, I'm taking them to the beloved offices. We have an office at the WeWork there in Uptown. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And just sitting there working with Yuji, uh, working with Clint uh, as we plan out the upcoming baptism that's coming up in a few weeks. And just as a FYI, I know I'm not supposed to say this, and I probably shouldn't say it on YouTube, but I don't care. Um, we haven't gotten a permit to go, so we might have to go rogue and just show up and just, <laughs> just do the baptism on the beach anyway. Um, <clears throat> thank goodness we have loud voices, so it'll be fine. Um, anyway, that is, we're planning for that. Um, and I've been also working to try to figure out how to transition to California. Um, Suzette and I are moving in August so that we can care for her parents. I've also been working with Yuji and Opal to just the logistics around the elder affirmation process. You know, Pastor Clint, Michael, uh, Morgan, and Derek Gecki, they are, if you're, not, if you're a covenant member, you would have received an email about this. They are being asked to be affirmed as uh, elders of our church. And every night this week, uh, since we got back, we've been trying to make time to meet with different folks just to catch up and just start saying goodbye. And yes, if you've come up to me and asked me why haven't we had our double date yet, we're trying. We're trying to get to everybody. So we do want to say goodbye. It suddenly started to dawn on me that everything that's going on, everything that's uh, about to happen, <laughs> you know, we're um, giving up our lives here. Um, I knew this would be difficult, but I didn't expect to lose it so soon. Um, anyway, 
Oh, thank you. That was foolish of me not to come up with these. I'm still going to be here for three more months. <laughs> I, I made this analogy at our congregational meeting. It's like saying goodbye to somebody then walking with them in the, to the parking lot. It's <laughs> what I'm doing right now again. Uh, anyway, as I was saying, you know, it started to dawn on me. <laughs> Thank you, bigger box. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to lose it that much. Um, but we are giving up our lives here. Um, we're losing our, oh, we're not losing them, but we're having to say you know, goodbye to our family, uh, our community, our church. It's been quite the journey for us. And my world seemed to uh, implode just, just a little bit this week. And as I was preparing for this, all I could do was like stare at my computer, and then I was staring at my Bible, and then staring at my computer, and staring at my, I just, I could not figure out how to preach on this. I couldn't get past this first verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? You know, I know in my head that I am being transformed by the gospel into a spirit-filled disciple who absolutely, I absolutely know that I, that we are the beloved of God because of Christ alone. I know this in my head. I know in my head that God is my light. I know in my head without a doubt that God, that Christ is my salvation. I know without a doubt in my head, absolutely, that the Lord is my stronghold. And I absolutely know that there is no one and no thing that I need to fear or that I need to dread or that I need to be worried about. But my world just seemed to implode a little bit this week. And I was looking at verse 2 and 3, and it said, when, when evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. But I didn't feel that. See, I know in my head that I am a beloved child of God because of Christ alone. I know in my head that there is absolutely nothing that I need to fear. John 3.16, y'all know it. It's like God loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus died so that we could have eternal life. Jesus died so that we would never have to fear death ever again at all. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, it says this. It tells us to not fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And we don't even have to fear that. We don't have to fear that, that, that Satan. We don't have to fear the devil because we don't have to fear the one that's trying to destroy our souls and make us suffer with him in hell forever. No, because Jesus, because we have a Messiah that this psalm is so beautifully painting a portrait of for us. We don't have to fear that. I don't have to fear that. Because the Messiah has come, the Messiah that's being painted in this poem, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear anything 
at all. <laughs> but then my world seemed to implode just a little bit. And the sadness and the fear came. I, I, I just mentioned that uh, Susan and I, we just got back from Canada. And we're on the flight. And the flight attendant, they, they were making an announcement. And uh, they said, we're really sorry about this. Uh, but on the way here, we were told that our uh, Wi-Fi was going to be intermittent at best. But in reality, it doesn't work. So y'all are going to be on this plane from Calgary to Chicago with no Wi-Fi at all. And Suzanne and I were like, ah, good thing we downloaded our movies. Um, and as I first sitting there, we're like, there's a few hundred people right now on this plane. We're being hurled through the air at 30,000 feet, going over 500 miles an hour in a, in a tin can. And the thing that was bugging people the most was they would not be able to check Instagram or check Twitter on this flight for three hours. We're in a tin can. We're 30,000 feet in the air. We're going so freaking... It is amazing to me how these little things, how the minuscule and how the meaningless so capture our attention sometimes that we forget the big thing, the amazing thing, the wondrous thing. We are flying. This psalm, this psalm is intended to remind, it reminded me that the challenges that I'm facing in this world, the challenges that any of us are facing right now, they're nothing. They are nothing in light of this overwhelming truth that the Lord is our light. The Lord is our salvation. He is our stronghold. He is our Lord. Because here's the thing. Really, my world didn't implode. I, I, I'm not abandoning anyone. I'm not being abandoned. Now, I, I have a new opportunity. I understand that. I see. I have an opportunity now to see how my light, how my salvation, how my stronghold, how my Jesus is going to come and carry me. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I tread? You know, it, it is absolutely true that we have nothing to fear. We don't. But, but when moments when we shouldn't be afraid actually start to come our way, we get afraid. That's the reality. That's what happens. It's, it's, it's hard, unfortunately, to truly trust God. We want to. I want to. I do. But I don't do it. And the, and the truth is this. For all his big talk, King David was the same. Verse 11, it actually says it right there. It says, show me your way, God. Show me your way, Lord. Lead me on a level path. See, David also understood with his head, I think, and maybe with his heart as well, that there is nothing to fear. He, he, I mean, the, the very thing that we have to fear the very most, eternal separation from God, 
this is, this is no longer a thing to worry about. As long as we're clinging to the Messiah. And David understood this. He understood, but he still turns to God and says, God, please, please show me how to do this. God, please show me how to trust you. God, please show me how not to fear. And as I was reading this, I believe, I believe that God is answering his prayer in this verse, in this passage. That request from David, he's answering it in two ways. And that's what I'm clinging to right now. The first way that he's answering it, God shows, his, shows us his way by sending his beloved out. It says like in verse 5, it says, For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. See, all these actions that God is doing right now, God puts him in a shelter. God, God hides him in a tent. God sets him high on a rock. These are all things that are happening outside, in the open. And this is what I'm seeing here in this passage. God shows us his ways. He leads us to these level paths. God shows us this. His, the training ground that he's sending us to, it is not in a sanctuary. It's not in Sunday school. It's not in your community group. No. God shows us his way by sending us to a training ground that is outside. God's training grounds, they are chaotic. His training grounds are disorienting. They're, they're discombobulating. They're disenchanting, desperate, dirty, disillusionating, debilitating, dysmorphic. God's training grounds are the battlefields we call life. See, God shows us his ways on the training grounds where spiritual and non-spiritual enemies are trying to attack us. Some of these enemies, they're so powerful, we can't see them. Some of these enemies are so unassuming, we don't even notice them. But these enemies are attacking, these enemies are biting, they're kicking, and they're tearing at us. Sometimes, God shows us his ways by sending his beloved outside on these trainings. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. There's a passage there. Paul is telling about his crazy training grounds. He says this, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. They were ready to give up. That was the training ground Paul was living in. See, the world is where God brings us to learn God's ways. The world is where God brings us to walk in his, to walk in faith on level paths. That's our training ground. These are the desperate places where we truly understand what it means to walk by faith. This is where God teaches us his ways. Not in the classroom. Outside. Now, I remember the very first time I ever went skydiving. Um, it was a tandem jump, so safer. And, and I remember it was me and my friend, and we went, I was like 24, 25, maybe younger, I don't remember. But we went somewhere, it was in central Illinois. Uh, uh, we went up into the sky, both of us, and we both jumped, well, I was pushed. But anyway, uh, we, perfectly good airplane, the only problem with the airplane, it had no doors, uh, so we had no choice. But then I got pushed out, and I loved it. I loved it. I did it a second time. And I loved it again. I decided a third time, I'm going to do this by myself. 
So I went through an all-day training. We're on the ground, though, and I, they put me on this, like, stool. It had wheels, and I was basically planking on this stool, rolling around the garage, and I, I was ready. I was ready to go up into the air, and I remember we checked our, uh, our parachutes and everything, get up into the plane. We go up. Uh, I'm, like, the first one at the door. I'm ready to go. The trainer's next to me, standing, giving me signals and stuff like that, counting down, and then we go by myself. It was amazing. It was glorious, and it almost killed me because all that training that I did on the ground did absolutely nothing to prepare me for what was happening when I was free-falling in the sky. I was spinning so unbelievably out of control that I didn't realize I was spinning. Can you imagine that? Spinning so fast you don't even know you're spinning. That's what was happening to me. My instructor was screaming in his headset trying to get me to stop. And after a while, he just supermanded over to me and just pulled the ripcord on my parachute. And I just started floating down for what seemed like thousands of hours from way too high up. There's more to the story that I'm not going to talk about right now. But anyway, here's the thing. For me to fully appreciate how to skydive, all that training in the classroom, on the ground, it would never be able to teach me what I really needed to know to be able to fly like an eagle instead of drop like a stone, which is what I ended up doing. It would be so much easier if we could just take the easy way, right? Just learn a bit and then go. But the reality is this. Sometimes it's the hard experiences that lead us to life. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, it says, How narrow is the gate? How difficult the road that leads to life? Few find it. To truly walk in the way worthy of God, to truly be shown God's ways, to truly walk by faith and not by sight, sometimes we need to get out of that classroom, the sanctuary, the community group, and we need to face the disturbing, face the disorienting, face the frightening and the uncomfortable and the depressing, but not alone, never alone. We do it with these songs of forgiveness, with these songs of redemption given to us in Scripture. We do it with the confidence and with the hope that's communicated in this poetry, the imagery provided to us here, because God is the one that's going to hide us. God is the one that's going to set us high. God is the one who's going to hear us. God is the one who's going to provide us our helper. God is the one who sends the Holy Spirit to comfort and to protect you and me. God shows us his way by sometimes sending his beloved out. And God shows us his way by sometimes sending his beloved, bringing his beloved near. In verse 4, this is what it says. It says, I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. If you go up to uh, verse 13, and by the way, kudos to Kevin. I did not give him any of the passages that we are sharing today. And he's been, I've been watching. He's been on top of it. Good job, dude. Um, verse 13. Uh, this is what you see there, that this request to be drawn near is answered by God. And he says, I am certain 
David says, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. In other words, the one thing David asked for, the one thing we asked for is this, is to dwell in God's presence. And our God hears that cry and he says, yes, yes, you will dwell in my presence and you will see my goodness. When uh, Suzette and I, when we traveled to Zambia uh, to help with the African ministry, Suzette, we would spend our days in the bush, right? We're, we're spending our time visiting folks, preaching, uh, loving and caring for the people out there, sometimes carrying young children whose bodies are riddled with, with malaria to a local clinic, walking miles with young children so that they could get one meal a day. Every day, we're out in the bush. Every day, we're there helping. And then every night, we come back. Now, sometimes Suzette and I, we're only by ourselves, and it's just the two of us coming back. Sometimes we have a team with us, but every night we draw near. We draw near together to worship God for the miraculous work we witness every time. See, God showed us his way, how we might walk and live by faith, by being in a desperate world, and then he showed us his way by drawing us near to him. He, he replenished our souls with the power of the king, and he replenished us with the community that our Messiah has created around us. I'll tell you, I, my time is actually about up. Um, I want to just recap. Here's the thing. We want to spend the next few months looking at these psalms. Because they are such an amazing, beautiful collection of holy Hebrew songs that point us to our King, to our Savior, our Jesus. Today's Psalm, Psalm 27, it reminds us that the challenges we have faced, the challenges we're going to face, the challenges we do face right now, all of these are absolutely nothing, nothing in the light of this truth that the Lord is our light, the Lord is our salvation. And living out this truth honestly can be challenging. There's hope. There's hope that in Christ, we will dwell with our God and our King. This is the song of hope that I wanted to share with you all today as we start this new series. Um, I'm going to close this time in prayer and ask Alex if he can come on back up with the rest of the worship team. Let's pray together. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.